Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Isaiah 7, we're going to start with verse 14. And as you're turning there, I want you to see what's going on here. This is probably during one of the most uh, chaotic and crisis-driven times in Israel's history. They have turned away from God and begin to worship idols. They have turned their back on worshiping God, and they've been influenced by all these other nations around them that they want to be like these other nations. And it's to the point now that Isaiah is prophesying to them, saying, hey, guys, God's going to bring judgment against us. There are nations that God's going to bring in to judge us for what we're doing wrong. I want you to understand this. When God brings correction on his people, God always follows up correction with restoration. Say it again, Pastor. God will always follow up correction with restoration. God God is a great parent. God will never just discipline you. God will always follow up correction with restoration. He will always restore relationship after correcting us. And here, as judgment's about to fall on the nation of Israel, God gives them this message through Isaiah in verse 14. He says, all right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The people were looking, how do we know that God still loves us? How do we know that God's still with us? This is what he says. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Everyone say Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Which means God is, God is with us. Pray with me now. Father, help In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to see over 730 years before Jesus is even born, this prophecy is given. And God gives them hope about who is to come. And so I want you to see that we see a reminder of this after Jesus is born in Matthew chapter 1. This scripture is repeated in Matthew 1 verse 23. And it says this in Matthew 1 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and she shall bring forth the son and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. I want you to see our banners up that this is a new series we're starting in this Christmas season is God with us. I need you to understand that the greatest lie of the enemy is to get you to think that you're all alone. Satan's biggest method that he uses against people is to get you to think that you're isolated, that you're alone, that no one cares about you, no one loves you, no one's there with you. And the biggest lie that the enemy will use in our lives is to get you to think that you are alone, to get you to think that no one cares about you, to get you to think that there's no one that understands what you're going through. I'm here to tell you from the front to the back to the left to the right, man, woman, and child, is that God promised over 700 years ago ago before Jesus even came that he was going to send Emmanuel. He could have said, I'm going to send you El Elyon, the mighty God, or El Shaddai, the God of more than enough, or or Jehovah Shammah, the ever-present God, or I'm going to send you Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals, or Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm going to send you Emmanuel, God with us. Why? Because God wanted you to know that you will never, ever, 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 ever be alone again I am God with you somebody say amen need you to understand right now that the Christmas season is about reminding you that you're not alone 
And yet it's at the holiday season. We've seen this doc that that's the time that most people are committing suicide. Time where most people are so depressed. Because the holiday season is about family, Thanksgiving, and then Christmas. I can't buy the gifts that I need to get. That's not what this is all about. Christmas is about letting you know that you're not alone. Emmanuel, God with us. I want to take you on a little journey for the next few weeks as we go towards on Wednesday nights. We're going to be preaching on this as well. But I just need you to know that you're not alone. Everyone say that. I'm not alone. So I need to take you back to the beginning and how this all started. Genesis chapter 3. Go back there with me for a second. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. We see an encounter between Satan and God's prized possession in Eve and Adam. And the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say? How many times have we heard that opening line before we fall into sin? You have that conversation. You don't need Satan to come in. You got that old conversation going on in your own mind. Come on, man. One drink's not going to hurt. Come on, just giving that girl a compliment's not going to be that bad. Get, you know what? Just, just uh, going to lunch with that dude's not going to be that big of a deal. My husband, you know, it's work. It's work-related. It's not a big deal. And so before you know it, we begin to allow certain things in to our minds where we begin to think, did God really say? That's the opening line for every downfall and every problem that we have in humanity today is when we begin to question what God said. Did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any tree in the garden? Verse 4, he says this. You won't die in this conversation he's having with her. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman, because she told him this when after he asked her, he goes, well, God said that if we even touch the tree, we're going to die. God never said that. There was misinformation between what God told Adam and what Eve understood. Adam never communicated properly to his wife that it's not touching the fruit that's bad. It was eating the fruit. But in order to somehow the communication from God to Adam to Eve ended up getting messed up. And I'm going to take you somewhere with this. Now follow me, okay? Look what the serpent says in verse 5. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Let me unveil Satan's scheme for your life right now. Let me just unveil this. Whenever you find yourself on the verge of making a bad decision, these are the three things that Satan will do to help to try to get you off track. Number one, the first thing Satan's going to do is get you to question God's word. Say it again, Pastor. He's going to try to get you to question the word of God. Whenever you question, did God really say that? You are on the verge of losing everything God had in store for your life. Second thing I want you to see in verse 4 that he says is this. He minimizes the consequences of disobedience. Uh, put up verse 4 again. It goes, it says, you won't die. If we touch it, we'll die. And the, and the serpent says this. If you touch it, you won't die. So what the enemy will always do will minimize the consequences of sin. 
When we look at the opportunities of sin and the things that we do, well, you know what? Having a drink with them is not going to be a big deal. You know, uh, hanging out with them is not. If I, if I just take that 20, it's not a big deal. You know, hey, the company has enough money if I, if I use a credit card for a personal charge. And before you know it, we begin to question that the consequences won't be that bad. And say the enemy will always lower the consequences. Listen to me very closely. Satan will always maximize the benefits of sin and minimize its penalties. But God will always maximize the penalties of sin and minimize its benefits. You need to understand that when the word, when we break the word of God, you don't break the word of God. The word of God breaks you. You can't break the principle. There are consequences that follow. The grace of God doesn't get rid of the consequences of sin. That when we break the laws of God, we, there are still consequences that we have to deal with. If you get drunk and you're driving down the road on New Year's night and you get in a car accident, break your leg, and you ask God to forgive you, will God forgive you? Amen, yeah. Will you still have a broken leg? Will your driver's license still get suspended? You can't blame God on that. Well, God, I don't know why you're taking me through this. God's not the one that shoved the drink down your throat. Say it again, Pastor. <laughs> Satan will always minimize the consequences of sin. The next thing I want you to see is he will get you to doubt the goodness of God. And he tells her this in verse 5. He says, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. In other words, God doesn't want you to eat from the tree because you'll become like God. Listen, Eve, you're already like God. You were created in the image of God. Satan's lie, Satan's lie to us will get us to doubt God's goodness. Oh, the reason he doesn't want us to get involved in premarital sex is he's trying to hold back something good from me. All it does is that what it does is that when we begin to look at things through the wrong lenses, Satan will always get you to doubt the goodness of God. God's trying to hold something back from you. And that's what he ended up planting those seeds in, in Eve's life. Now, look what happens in verse 6. You still with me? Okay, I'm taking you somewhere. Because I'm going to step on everyone's toes this morning, okay? Not, not just Satan's. Now, now, ladies, this is your turn, okay? And when the woman, all the men say women. When the, it was paradise until she showed up. Just... I didn't write it. (laughs) The woman saw that the tree was good for fruit and that it was pleasant to the eye, a tree to be desired to make one wise. So she felt like she didn't have enough wisdom where she was at this moment. There was something she felt she was lacking. You know, affairs happen when you feel like there's something lacking in your marriage. You, you go into debt when you feel like there's something lacking in your possessions. You, you end up finding yourself struggling and, and feeling loneliness and depressed when you feel like you don't match up to everyone else's standard. She saw the tree desired one to make one wise and she took the fruit. Now, now, now notice progression here. Took the fruit, ate it. Now, girl, keep it to yourself. What'd she do? She gave it to who? Her husband, who was? Where's Adam at? 
right next to her. All the years that I was in Bible college, I thought the dude was out tending the garden. I thought he was raking leaves, edging the garden, taking care, getting rid of critters and all that stuff. He was standing right next to her while this conversation was going on. We'll get to y'all in a moment, okay? And he did eat and gave under her husband, and he did eat. I want you to notice Eve's progression right here now. Take a look at this. Now, this, even though I'm speaking to ladies, this applies to men as well, okay? The first thing she did is she saw it. All sin starts with the desire of what we allow into our eyes. Now, I, I can drive down the street, and I can see a beautiful woman that's there. The first look doesn't get you in trouble. See that dude at the gym that's all buffed while you're working out? And you just happen to walk right in front of him. Oh, I dropped something. It's not the first look that gets you in trouble. It's when you make that U-turn to go back or you're looking in the rearview mirror. It's the see, the things that you allow your eyes to see. I can see something without seeing it. There are things that we allow our vision to get into our spirits. She saw it. She saw the fruit. She began to look at it, to examine it. She began to, to take a, a deeper look. It was no longer a glance. It became something that, she, that grabbed her attention. Whatever you are looking at has your attention. And she saw it. After she saw it, she desired it. You see, your desire grows when you, you, you put your attention on something. When, when I first got out of college, I wanted a vet bad. I wanted a Corvette so bad that I, everywhere I looked, I saw the vet. I saw that I wanted an 83 L82 Corvette, and that's all I saw. That when I finally found one at the lot that I went to, I overlooked how junky it was that I just wanted this. I was willing to trade my 4x4 Toyota uh, truck in for it. I was willing to give whatever. I got in the seat and it fell back. And I was like, oh, that's okay. That's cool. You got the lean. It's a, everything's good. Then you turn the lights on and only one went up. I was like, that's all right. I'm winking at people. We're good. That car, was. It, I remember coming home from Bible study one night from Modesto. I'm flying down a road and there, there's another vet that came up to me and we just, we just took off and we're flying down the road. And then I got to my turn off. I hit my lights on them and then my lights kept on blinking. I turned off and then my cab filled with smoke. My car caught on fire. The whole electrical system went up. I could have avoided that, but I saw it and I desired it. I wanted it. And I went beyond what I should have done. Verse number three, she thought it was worth it. I thought it was worth it when I saw that car. Most of the time I was pushing it. I'm telling you, she thought it was worth it. You know what? Okay, I'm disobeying God, but I'm going to gain wisdom. I know God said no, but I'm going to gain something I don't have right now. So she took it. Now, now this is where the problem starts. She took it. Now, what, what did she tell Satan? God said that if we, we... So she, (laughs) 
when she touched it and she didn't die, all of a sudden, her misinformation proved God to be a liar. So if God is wrong about this, what else is God wrong about? So she took, she ate it. This is so, so hum, human, it's so us. Very rarely do we get involved in sin alone. We want to pull other people down into what we're doing. Come on, man, just take a hit. Hey, just get a drink, man. You're not going to drink club soda. Come on, just get, get something. You're always pushing other people to get involved to do something. Because we don't want to feel guilty for being the only ones there. So after she does that, you still with me? Uh, let, let me we're going to close here in a moment. Stay with me. And we're going to take communion, okay? Verse 6 is what bothers me. Is where, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Listen, all the men, all the ladies say, Men. With disgust, men. <laughs> Look at Adam's failure. First of all, Adam, as a man, failed to do his job. Genesis 2.14 tells us this, that God gave Adam responsibility to tend and to keep the garden. Tend means to take care of. To keep means to watch over it. Make sure no, nothing dangerous comes in. Adam should have never let the serpent in the garden to begin with. The moment the serpent came in, Adam should have cut its head off and kicked it outside the garden. But Adam allowed it into the house. I want you to know, men, that you have been given the responsibility for your households to watch what comes in, whether it be on television and music or thoughts or ideas for your kids. We can't allow things to come into our house that is going to begin to attack and destroy the identity of who God called our children, our wives, and our family to be. Adam didn't do his job. Men, you have a responsibility to do your job. Everyone say, do your job. Yeah. Number two, he allowed Satan to get in the ear of his wife. He's standing right there and he's allowing this enemy to talk to her. There's not one of us that would allow Satan in person to come over to your children and begin to speak to them. We would stop that in a heartbeat but we allow satanic influences to come in and to affect our family. He allows Satan to have a conversation with his wife. Did God really say? Did God really tell you this? And he allows Satan to get into the ear of his wife. We got to understand something today. We can't allow the voice of Satan to be greater in our homes than the voice of God. Oh, come on. Say it again, Pastor. I need you to understand this. Number three, he failed to share God's word with his wife. He received it from God, but he miscommunicated it to his wife. That she ended up misunderstanding what was going on. Number four, he never spoke up, stood up, or rose up. Now, how many men are in the house? I'm going to say, give me a good Amen. Or at least a good grunt. Mm. Uh, all right, that's. 
I don't have any respect for any man worth his salt that wouldn't stand up to defend his family, to protect them. When someone either came into their home or you're walking in the mall and someone steps up against someone in your family. As men, we have a responsibility to protect our families. Now, now, we'll stand up to someone that's about to physically affect our family, but we lay down while spiritual attacks are taking place like crazy. He never stood up, spoke up, or rose up while the conversation, Satan's talking to Eve. Go ahead and eat of the tree. It's all good. Just, just look at it. It's fine. Grab a piece. Try it out. If you don't like it, money back guarantee. I'll give it back to you. Check it out. Just, just go ahead. He does it. He's, where's, where's Adam during this time? Standing right there. And he never does anything. That's what drives me crazy in marriage when I see marriages fall apart. It's not until the husband gets the note that the wife is leaving that he stands up and says, okay, pastor, I need to get together with you because I'm trying to pull my marriage back together again. Why not fix it while it's fixable? Stand up. Every man in this place, stand up. You know there's an issue. Uh, You guys, I'm I'm speaking. I'm speaking in... Gotcha. I love you. Love you. That's. <laughs> it's all good. I appreciate that, gentlemen. Come on, give them a round of applause. They were listening at least. And what's worse is not only does he not just rise up or say anything, then he participates in it. He gets involved in the dysfunction. I just don't want her to feel bad. I want her to be by herself. Personally, let let me give you my my personal opinion. That had Adam not taken of the fruit, and then God came looking for them, I'm a firm believer that if Adam had protected his wife from what had happened, God would have forgave them. That God would have some, he would have used Adam's covering over his wife. But when he's confronted, he says, hey, it's a woman you gave me. Listen, gentlemen, before we get mad at Eve, it took Satan to deceive Eve. It just took a woman to get us to sin. Don't be an Adam. Because what ends up happening in verse 8, as the ushers come join me, in fact, actually hold on one second with the ushers. We're going to play a video in a second, but stay with me. When they heard the voice of God walking in the cool of the day, Adam and his wife what? They hid. So God with us becomes now we're hiding from the God that wants to be with us. Sin separates us from God. 
So God is no longer with us. And since that time, man has tried to use creation to cover their sin. We have hidden out in creation. And so what does God do at that very moment that all this happens? I want you to understand Jesus was not plan B. Jesus was plan A from the very beginning of time. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, I want you to see this. Genesis 3, 15 real quick. No, notice this. It says this. It says that I will, I will put enmity between the woman's seed and your seed, okay? Her offspring and yours, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Another version puts it this way, between the woman's seed and your seed, okay? This is the first gospel. Everyone say first gospel. In Genesis chapter three, verse 15, we see it prophesied that Jesus is coming. Say it again, Pastor. Genesis 3.15 gives us the first gospel that God is saying this, that Jesus was not plan B from the very foundation of the world. God, Jesus was plan A. And what am I saying? He says this, I will put enmity between the woman and you, between your offspring and hers. Other version says seed. Everyone say seed. seed. Throughout the Bible, you see this, the seed of Abraham, the seed of Isaac, and the seed of Jacob. Seed means offspring. Seed means the, 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 the child of. But how many of you understand this? Women don't have seed. What do women have? Eggs. Women have the egg. Man has the sperm, the seed that fertilizes the egg. And so when the prophetic word comes in Genesis 3.15 that the woman's seed, speaking of a virgin birth, because women don't have seed. And that you're going to bruise his heel. And the only reason you're bruising his heel is because he's crushing your head. And he's going to crush your head so hard that as he's crushing your head, he's going to end up bruising his heel. What was that talking about? It was talking about the cross. That Jesus was going to be bruised on the cross. And it looked like he got hurt. And it hurt. But that's what he used to destroy Satan was the cross. You bruised him. He crushed you. That's the first gospel. Why? Why? So that God could be with us again. Go ahead and take a look at this, this video real quick. See, I should just go ahead and come. And as the ushers are passing, we're going to take the elements of communion. We're going to ask you to go ahead and from the very back, begin to make your way forward as this video begins to play.
as the ushers keep past, as you uh, continue to come. The book of Colossians says this in Colossians 1.27, to whom God willed to make known what is his riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, Emmanuel means God with us. But God doesn't want to be just with us. God wants to be in us. The book of Colossians says he is Christ in us, the hope of glory. I want you to know today that Christ wants to be in you, not just with you. Just doesn't want to be with you. He wants to dwell in you. God created the Garden of Eden so that man would live in. But God created mankind so that he could live in. God wants to live in you, dwell in you be with you. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.